What a beauty! G'day community and welcome to the Jock Reynolds the Supercoach Podcast. I am Lek Dog. It's the middle of the off-season, but exciting things are happening. I'm joined by Damo from WA. Hello, Lek Dog, how are you? Fantastic. And Patch from not WA. G'day, Lek Dog. G'day, Damo. How are we? Very well to discuss all of the exciting football and Supercoach things. First, some housekeeping demo. Plenty of Supercoach BBL content on the website. Dill's Cheapies Guide dropped during the week. As has got a fixture guide up. Um, I've released an article today that uh, I programmed or requested that an AI produce. And Lekdog, please don't make me leave. It's, uh, well, Damo, you're the one who introduced it. You might have to uh, be released for it. The JR Supercoach BBL group, if you are playing, if you do have a team, join our group. The code is 845338. Anyone can join and play. It's exciting stuff. And Damo, we've got about, at time of recording, what, like five, six days till the season starts? Five days. So on the 13th of December is when the first game between the Thunder and and the stars get underway. Um, we should know teams 24 hours beforehand, so you've got time to lock in your team and just keep an eye out for when those teams do drop. Today, gentlemen, we're going to discuss the the third iteration of our Depth Charts podcast. The draft has since happened. Plenty of selections were made, and now we know what the... Uh, what it might look like for us heading into Supercoach 2023. Before that, the fantasy gods have given, and they've given us some positional changes. So I'm going to read through the list, and then, gentlemen, you're going to highlight the important and interesting points. So the first thing that we're excited to see is those who gained dual position eligibility. Nat Fife, mid-forward. Andrew McGrath, defence mid. Dyson Heppel, defence mid. Kyle Langford, forward mid. Ben Cunnington, mid forward. Toby McLean, forward mid. Mitch Hinge, defence forward. Charlie Constable, defence mid. And Buku Karmas, defence forward. Gentlemen, plenty of names there. McLean, McLean, McLean. We'll talk about Toby McLean. I want to jump in, Patch. Nat Fife will be under 350k, and you can select him as a forward. Assuming he has no preseason setback, and that's assuming because we know it will come eventually. If he stays fit and lines up for round one without any setbacks, he could be an absolute bargain. Yes. Does he play mid mostly? Does he play mostly forward? What's the, what do you reckon the split is for for five? He's probably going to play between midfield and forward. He might attend a few centre bounces and then drift forward, might start forward, might play a few games in the midfield to sort of turn the tide a little bit if the game gets on top of them too much. Um, But with the addition of Jager O'Meara, 
um, Will Brody coming into his second year at the club, um, Caleb Sarong, Andrew Brazier. He might not need to spend too much time in there, but we've seen him average 100-plus not playing as a out-and-out midfielder. So I don't think he's going to be too much of an issue for output, depending on uh, regardless of where he lines up. Well, if he's in the in the medical um, emergency bay lining up there, that might be a slight issue, but we will burn that bridge when we get to it. Dog, you like Toby McLean, and I really like Toby McLean, and he's been blessed with forward status. Is there any single reason beyond injury you wouldn't be starting him at the 220-odd K he's going to be? No, no, and I think he might end up being sub-200K just, so he's an absolute lock in my side. I hope he can stay healthy. He has been the super one of the boys of the super coach, of the JR Supercoach podcast for quite a long time. Obviously, I haven't cited him in many years, but he's an absolute lock to start in my side, and I'll tell you who else is probably going to be a lock to start in my side. It's Ben Cunnington um, at, you know, he'll be sub-500K. We've seen him average well over 100 in the past. He's now forward eligible. No idea how, but he is. And I thank the fantasy gods for it. And Lechdog, there's a strong chance he's sub 250k. Who's that? Ben Cunnington. What did I say? Sub 500k. Oh, I meant sub 300k, but thank you, Damo. <laughs> thank you. It, it really depends what sort of discount he gets because on his average, if he gets no discount, he'll be about 270K, but even just a 10% discount will, will slip him under the 250K mark. All right, gentlemen, I want to talk quickly about the players who lost DPP. If any of these guys become a no based on that, let me know. Bont, Tim English, George Hewitt, Jordan Dawson, Jack Sinclair, Rowan Marshall, Jack Hayes, Nick Dacos, Jack Crisp, Jordan DeGoey, Lockie Whitfield, Isaac Heaney, Adam Trelaw, Angus Brayshaw, Will Brody, Tristan DeGerry or Cherry, Hunter Clark, Jaden Short, Daniel Rioli, Kitty Coleman, and Maurice Rioli all lost DPP, and you can pretty much work out where they'll be uh, selectable based on where they played last year. Well, the the couple of surprising ones there, Lockie Whitfield is mid-only and Jaden Short is mid-only, uh, basically wipes them off the map of, of selectability, doesn't it? George Hewitt going mid-only probably does the same thing. As has been pointed out on Twitter to me, rules out their um, relevance until round six when they could potentially win back their old position. Indeed. Jordan Degoe mid-only is very funny as well. Go suck an egg, Jordan Degoe. Get out <laughs> of here. All those guys, we get, well, all those premiums there, we just got a target later on, I think. we. I I'm strongly suspect a guy like Short will play in defense this year, but we'll wait and see. Uh, retaining DPP, gentlemen, Dunkley. Thank God. Stephen Ginigliog, Harry Himmelberg, Connor Rosie, Zach Butters, Dustin Martin, Tim Taranto, Jason Orn, Francis, Zach Bailey, Darcy Fort, Darcy Cameron, Patrick Lipinski, Liam Baker, Luke Jackson, Tom Atkins, Errol Goulden, and Jade Gresham. Tim Taranto retaining his forward position makes him very, very attractive. Mm, I'm also excited by Errol Goulden, who will mm. tempt me. Darcy, Darcy Cameron as uh, cover is very unexpected and potentially very tasty, similar to Tim English. Not as not scoring as well, but just as that cover to let you take a slightly riskier run in the rucks uh, with a bit more backup is quite nice. Agreed. Uh, new positions entirely. Wayne Malera's a 
forward was a defender. Dane Zorko was a defense mid, now a forward. Mitch McGovern, last year's <laughs> failure, was a forward, is a defender. Mitch Duncan was a mid-forward, is a defender. Mark Blitzarves was a defense ruck, is now a mid-ruck. Ali Yo was a mid, he's now a defender. And Darcy Tucker was defense mid, now forward mid. God, it's nice to see Mark Blitzarves back in his natural habitat as a mid-ruck. God, it's beautiful to see. We may never see it again, and it brings a goddamn tear to the eye. I'm not picking it, though. We've been gifted a few little gifts with a couple draftees positions revealed. Ashcroft, Fletcher, both mids, as you'd imagine. Joe Richards, mid-forward, which is interesting given where he played in the uh, local leagues. Ollie Hollands, mid-only. Olwen Davey, junior, mid-forward. Jai Clark, mid-only. Bailey Humphreys, mid-forward. Matthias, Matthias Philippou, mid-forward. Harry Sheasel, forward. George Wardlaw, mid. And Reuben Ginby, defense mid. Yeah, Ruben Jinby will be a really popular defensive rookie. I think West Coast will want to play him as soon as they can, and being able to select him in your defense or your midfield is going to be is going to boost his um is going to is going to boost his attractiveness. Very much so. Now we'll speak about this more. The team picker won't be far off at time of recording. It'll be within the next couple of weeks at the latest. So we'll talk more about positions and players and selections then. For now, we're going to jump into an ad break. When we return, it's going to be Depth Charts 3.0. Tis the season for clean balls. Fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Our friends at Manscaped are helping you clear your driveway for safe travels this holiday season. From stocking stuffers to gift exchanges, Manscaped's products are the top of every wish list grab some crop mops for your pops or the shampoo for your boo be the star of gifting season and help all the men in your life go from eggnog to nice hog this december by going to manscape.com and using code jock code j-o-c-k for 20 percent off plus free shipping manscaped is a one-stop shop for all your holiday needs they have the perfect gift in the platinum package 4.0 which we've all received and all love plus loads of little presents perfect for stocking stuffers what better holiday gift than giving the gift of good hygiene and a few laughs plus it really helps out the podcast you support them they support us that's how it works get 20 percent off and free shipping with code j-o-c-k jock at manscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code jock j-o-c-k manscaped for a perfect gift that will be the holiday's biggest hit depth charts here we go do you want to explain them for somebody that hasn't listened to the first couple of iterations of the depth chart what what the hell does this mean what are we doing well, basically, we, we've gone through every list. We've put together what we think is the best 22, what we think is players pushing for best 22, and players we think probably aren't going to see best 22 action. The focus of this pod is going to be looking at the recent draftees and rookie price players who we think will push their way in to these sides. And uh, We'll probably milk this for all it's worth and do a few podcasts about mid-prices and primos once all that's revealed. But for today, we're looking at those who were drafted and who might feature early or who we should look to target later on, Patch. Yes, sir. Now, 
Damo Adelaide, relatively quiet as we know at the draft table, but they did get their father son, uh, Max Michelini. Don't know if that's how you pronounce his name, Damo, but probably a surprise early bid. Sydney being dodgy buggers, but they bid on him. Adelaide took him, and now we've got to consider is he in rotation for our super coach uh, backlines? I don't know if he scores well for super coach, but. It depends who you ask if he makes their round one team. Adelaide haven't been afraid to blood their top draftees um, early like they have in the previous seasons, but it really depends where they see him lining up. He's probably – you can't really see anyone who he will displace out of their back line, and that's his primary position. So unless they can move someone like a Will Hamill or a Brody Smith up the ground, um, maybe even a Chase Jones, I don't know where Max Michelini will come in. Yeah, I'm intrigued as if they play Mitch Hinge on a wing. So at the moment, we've got the the four general defenders for Adelaide as Brodie Smith, Will Hamill, Chase Jones, and Mitch Hinge. Mitch Hinge played a bit on a wing, and they kind of lack a little bit of outside run. So that might be the chance he gets there. But I I, yeah, wouldn't expect it to be their round one at this stage. Yeah, he's kind of an odd size. They just extended Nick Murray and Kieran Strawn, or Strachan, uh, for two years each. Please, hashtag free Kieran. Uh, so, but extending Nick Murray says to me that uh, he's probably the next in line for any of these defensive spots. Yeah. And yeah, they had two other draftees in Billy Dowling and um, oh, what was the other kid's name? Hugh Bond. Hugh Bond, great name, but both great names really. Um, but both of them Bond very similar to what they've got already in kind of a stocky in an under midfielder that does a lot of tackling and not a huge amount else. Um, so would be behind a host of names there. But Billy Dowling, maybe we see him at some stage during the year. I doubt it's round one unless he tears up the training track, unless either of you vehemently disagree. I do not. Um, and the other note, as you noted, Damo Michelini, even in the juniors, even in the draft, his draft year did not score well in Supercoach. So he's probably not one we're going to be able to look at, but he's probably the closest of that bunch to getting a call up. The Brisbane Lions, Damo, they were active. We've spoken plenty already across the last couple of podcasts about their haul, but take us through it. We'll dissect who they brought in. So obviously they picked up Will Ashcroft and Jasper Fletcher. Will Ashcroft probably starts in the team and Jasper Fletcher just on the outside. Um, Connor McKenna they've also picked up as well. He... He probably plays as long as he's fit and, and, and able. And talking to some Brisbane people today, it sounds like he's going to kick out one of your favourites, select dog in Kitty and Coleman. Um, we did, originally had Noah Answorth as the one on the outside, but given that Answorth can play tall and small, it raises his value a little bit. Whereas Kitty and Coleman is more of an attacking, uh, is is more attacking, a bit like Con- Connor McKenna, and they can't have. Coleman, McKenna, and Rich all in the same team. Uh, of course, Darcy Wilmot played um, in the last years in last season's uh, final series, and he's always a chance to come through. But I think Connor McKenna is ahead and starts in the team. Now, the the interesting thing about McKenna is that he did want to switch to the forward line in the last little while of his stint at the Dons. I'm intrigued as to if that's the same in this comeback, and if he if he plays forward, if he plays on a wing. Um, you know, you'd think he'd be playing the running defender role because that's what he's very, very good at. But I don't know, just one to watch there and maybe that maybe that gives us a, a lifeline for, for Wilmot. But I don't know, that's about all I'd be watching for at this stage. 
Yep, they also bought in uh, Shadow. I think it, I I have no idea Shadow Brain, which sounds like a disease uh, more than anything. And Daryl McDowell White Jr. Two Cat B rookies. Don't imagine they'll feature at any point. Just worth noting. Next team's Carlton and Lechdog is the Carlton man in the crew. We'll let you uh, we'll let you talk us through it. Yeah, as we spoke about last time, still not sure if David Cunningham pushes his way into this side. Probably less confident now, but he is rookie price. But it's Ollie Hollands for me. I've got him, assuming all goes well in the preseason, he develops the way they think he will. I've got him starting in the 22. We're getting there very close to the start of the year. He'll be sub 170k. Damo, he was a reasonable, reasonably high-scoring player uh, this year in in the NAB League. Um, I think he's going to be one that a lot of people select. Now, he's going to be playing on the outside. Can he convert that to points? Who knows? They also bought in Jackson Bins. Who's down the pecking order? Down the pecking order behind Hollands, Cottrell, and O'Brien, but one to watch for a couple of years' time. They brought in the player I'm dubbing Daniel Rich 2.0, Lockie Cowan. Plenty of running general defenders there. Is this an indication that they move Sam Doherty up the ground? I don't know. I don't think he'll feature this year, but when he does, he was the third highest scoring player in the NAB League this year. And then they brought in a developing tall. As we said, they needed to demo on our preview of this side. Harry Lemmy comes in to develop under Kerno and Mackay as a key forward option. So again, not relevant for this year, but potentially relevant down the track. But yeah, no, it's 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 Ollie Hollands or bust here from a, a super coach perspective, I think. Ollie Hollands even said himself that he models his game on now teammate Sam Walsh. So that just tells you the sort of player that he is. So he probably will have a bit of inside work, maybe maybe rotating in a little bit sometimes, but probably starts on the outside and that's where he will predominantly play. If that doesn't excite you, nothing will. Patchy Boy, are you here and alive and with us? Yes, yes. The internet Fantastic. slightly dropped out. It had a violent allergic reaction to Carlton. <laughs> Well, let's t- do you want to take us through the Collingwood list and what they did at the draft? Yeah, so the, the Pies um, brought in a few players that were interested in. Um, the, the top pick, Edward Allen, um, is kind of a, a more of a longer-term um, athletic player. He probably plays in the midfield, but I don't think we really see him next year. He's very much stuck behind a, a Reef McInnes and a few others. Um, in there, but Joe Richards is the one we're intrigued by the school teacher from Wangaratta. Um, who's kind of come out of the blue, will be 117k mid-forward, as we mentioned off the top. But they're expecting to play, him to play in defence. Um, and despite my just firm belief that you can't go straight from the Ovens and Murray League straight into the AFL, people keep saying that he might debut really early. And if he does, we're intrigued by that. Um, potentially that pushes um, Nick Dacos into the midfield. One to watch there, Jacob Bryan, another one who's pretty highly touted, brilliant mullet. Um, who may well also get a couple of games, but I wouldn't expect an extended stint from him at that rate. And the other player we've got um, pretty much locked into that 22 is Charlie Dean, who we're all very excited for last season, but injuries meant that he couldn't actually get on the park. So at 123k, he's someone we're certainly very intrigued by um, this season. Very good. Well, you can stay on the mic because your terrible Essendon bombers are up and and they were... (sighs) 
interesting yeah. at the draft, and they picked some they picked some players. There were some players selected. Yes, um, Alwyn Davy Jr. sliding to forty five was a crime. Um, Jaden Davy at fifty four. Neither of them, I think, play early. Alwyn Davy Jr. maybe maybe plays at some stage. Maybe they get a few games into him as a high half forward. Um, but Elijah Tassadis is the one to watch. Um, you guys managed to bully me into saying that he's probably going to play. Um, and he'd be, geez, he'd be, he'd be on the cusp depending on how his preseason goes. But I don't know what Essendon's midfield makeup will look like and how it all comes together. Um, you know, it depends on where Dyson Heppel plays um, as a specialist captain. If, you know, Sam Durham and Nick Cox and a few others get into the side, um, you know, Caldwell and Hobbs as well we've got on the outer at this stage. So I, I don't know if he's ahead of them, but um, he's about the only one we'd be watching from there other than potentially Zach Reed at 201k if one of the, the tall timber down back goes down. Um, Nick Cox apparently already injured this preseason, which, I mean, is becoming a, a sad pattern. Um, but I don't know where he'd play if he's a Play, plays on a wing, plays as a key forward, plays as a key back. I don't, who knows where he plays. A lot of water to go under that bridge before we burn it to the ground. Yeah, well, let's get your hopes up for a big, big year and then watch them crumble and get crushed. And I, I'm looking forward to that mostly. Damo, the Fremantle Dokers uh, are your mob, so you can chat about them and the rookie opportunities there. The team will be largely similar to how it finished in the final series. So Matt Taberner will hopefully come back in over his injury troubles. Luke Jackson will take over from Rory Lobb. And Jai Amos will hopefully play pretty much the whole season. They'll back him in to develop as the season progresses. Josh Corbett um, might come in under 200k, and he's one to watch out for, especially if Taberner goes down. Um, Tom Emmett was picked up in the draft as a mature ages, so you always look at the mature ages and think they could fit somewhere because you don't pick up a 21-year-old to develop in the waffle. Uh, Matthew Johnson is a chance to to come in and potentially play on the wing or inside, but where does he fit when they've got Brody, Sarong, Fife, O'Meara, Brayshaw ahead of him? Aish, O'Driscoll, probably your two wingmen. And uh, Corey Wagner, we've sort of placed in the 22, but we don't really know who he displaces Brandon Walker is a chance to fall out um, after having a less than ideal final series, but that's nor here or there. Hayden Young, Luke Ryan, Jordan Clark, obviously Alex Pierce, Brandon Cox, Heath Chapman will round out the 22 with um, Sean Darcy. Liam Reedy will be a 102k forward ruck, I believe. So he's one that people might like as a looping option. I think the exciting one from us, from a super coach perspective, is Corey Wagner. Never set the world alight in terms of super coach in his previous AFL stints, but in the VFL last year, averaged 22 disposals and 104 super coach points, 85 fantasy as a defender slash wingman. So thank you, Fantasy Frico, for that. He's the exciting one for me, Damo. Yeah, really interesting to see where he comes in. The club drafted him and said after they took him that um, he had an opportunity straight to play straight straight away. So he's one that I think is currently penciled into the 22. I don't know who they have um, penciled to leave out. All right, well, let's jump to Geelong because they did stuff at the, at the draft. 
patch. They did Big stuff yawn. Well, they brought in Jack Clark, who's probably my favourite player from the draft, but he'll play in the VFL most of next year because they're the reigning premiers and, shockingly, have a good football side. Um, we've got him kind of on the cusp of that inside mid role. Um, but outside of that, it'll be, you know, Brandon Parfit comes in for Joel Selwood and that that's it. That's the team. Send the tweet. Um, Jack Bowes probably next in line alongside maybe a Tanner Bruin and Sam Menegola. Um, you know, Phoenix Foster's a developing tall. Ted Closey plays, you know, the Tom Stewart role or, or a few other roles like that. I don't think he gets into... Um, that best 22, just purely because it's a, it's a very good 22, um, despite his incredible fantasy numbers last season, uh, the season just gone, which, like Doggy said, they were, they were nuts. Yeah, he averaged over over 80, I think it was over 84 in his VFL and averaged well over 100 and all of the other... Uh... All the other versions of junior footy, uh, which I can't list because there's about 700 of them. That's quite good, but I, I don't think he, you know, like the the Cats have been pretty good at playing rookies and playing young kids, but I just don't see a spot for him unless injuries crop up. Agreed. I think Jai Clark's probably the, one of the more exciting super coach options out of the entire draft if he went to any other club. Yeah. Oh God. Which he should have, but the AFL are all cowards. God, I was hoping he'd go to Hawthorne. God, I was hoping he'd go to Hawthorne. It's all right. We'll move on. Uh, Damo, you can run us through the dumpster fire that is. We get in trouble for shit talking Gold Coast all the time, but gee whiz, it's bad. You've just got to tell Fizz from the Draft Doctors to get stuffed. Don't don't (laughs) let him bully you. Was not happy with me flaming Sam Flanders on Twitter. I'll tell you that. Yeah, Gold Coast is going to be really interesting for next season because they've got a lot of holes that they need to sort of patch and uh, they're going to have a, quite a few rookie-priced players that we can look at. Ben King is going to be about 204k. He's going to be a key position and returning from an ACL, so I don't think you would put any confidence in picking him at 204k. But they've got Tom Berry, who will likely come in at 123k, and then Bailey Humphrey, who will be... A, 190k and those two guys are probably going to score okay Bailey Humphrey probably the better one of those two they also selected Connor Blakely in the rookie draft and by the looks of it he's going to walk straight into their back line with um, Lockie Weller and Connor Butterick out with injury and who knows how fit Will Powell will be to start the season and Connor Blakely will be 167k and has the pedigree to average above 100 if he gets into the right position and plays the right role. Yeah, they announced today at time of recording that Weller will return to full training at some stage in January. I don't know what that means, but that's what they're saying. I don't know if I necessarily believe it, but hopefully for his sake he does. But yeah, I think there's an opportunity for Connor Blakely, Damo. And then their rookie selection, or I, I think he's a was a zone selection, but Lloyd Johnston... If he could get an opportunity, he's not AFL ready, but he may have to play in that sort of half running half back role. He is a guy that projects as someone who could average well above his price point of 102k. So I suspect he'll get a shot at some stage this year, and he's one that I've got on my short list as a as a trade in target throughout the year. Still can't believe they delisted Oleg Markov. Just Rest pull one out for Oleg. Um, Oleg died so Cotter Blakely could live. I, I, why, though? Blakely is... Oh, dear. 
Oh dear, yeah, if he's named, we'll have to pick him and he'll get a decent run at it for the first, I don't know, if that's six weeks or 12 weeks or however long it is. But God, I don't in, I don't like it, Lake Dog. I do not like it. No, you know what I do like though? The mm-hmm. GWS Giants are going to give us seemingly the most rookie options this year. They've got Aaron Cadman, the number one pick at the, and no offense to him, undeserving number one pick. He should 100% be the number two pick. He's the second best player in the draft, uh, asterisk, quotation marks, etc. 211K, key forward, but he'll play football. And play up the ground, it sounds like. I don't think he'll be out of the goal square and you know be a, a tall marking target. He'll be more of a, well, they compare it to Jeremy Cameron, and I think they'll, they'll get him up the ground as a center, proper centre-half forward, which bodes better for his scoring. It does. The, it's going to be a risk-reward at that price, Probably my gut instinct is to skip him, but then again, if you can get a rookie prize player who's guaranteed to play, you think you probably have to take him. They've also brought in uh, Max Krasuski, who's who's not going to be relevant for us this year. I don't Mike think. Mike Darcy Jones, patch 122-ish K. He's going to be a small forward, but he's probably like that next one in. If something happens to a Brent Daniels or a Toby Bedford. Yeah, he is, and there, there's a bit of hype around Darcy Jones and what he can do, and I think he's, you know, billed as one of those players who, like a, you know, like a Tom Papley, um, you know, can can be very good as a small forward, but also push further up the ground and do a bit more than just being pegged in like a, you know, like a Cosy Pickett role, where it's kind of you, you sit in that forward pocket and don't do too much more than that. So there's a bit of excitement there. I again, I don't know how close he is to. Um, a debut of that start of the season or, or they want to work him into it. But yeah, I, looking at that, um, you know, it's, it's kind of him or, or Connor Stone as the next in behind Toby Green, Daniel Lloyd, Brent Daniels and Toby Bedford. I think uh, the one that excites me most maybe of this draft crop, which I, I'm surprised I'm seeing that much hype about, but Harry uh, Rouston at approximately 145k. To me, he's a, a walk-up start into this GWS side, and, and I think he could pump out sort of low 80s, high 75-plus numbers each week for us, which is a really good return for a rookie. Yeah, Lee, um, he looked like he, he played a fair bit of inside mid for the Allies at the National Champs, but also spent a bit of time on a high half-forward flank um, and more kind of outside, and you know, it can be a, a bit of a threat towards goal, which you know, if you have a few strings to your bow... Um, that really helps um, in this day and age. We were talking before we started about uh, Mitch Sabowski and, and Adam DeLear not quite getting picked up, and I think they're similar players to Rouston, but Rouston has that forward craft that the others don't. Um, so that means you know he's more flexible. Maybe he plays a bit forward, which hurts his scoring, but I, I think it gives him more of a chance to get his foot in the door. Um, and, you know, goodness knows if, if you know what role he's in. I think it's probably more of a, a you know, an outside forward switchy role but um yeah i'm certainly interested to see how he goes and damo do you reckon he he starts yeah i think he does i think um he's probably it's either him or adam kennedy and if and i think adam kennedy is is on the outer just to begin with just so they can see what they have and if harry rouston does struggle a little bit then they might choose um to bring in the experienced head in in kennedy but it's, it's it's hard to determine because Adam Kingsley is going to come in with a different mindset to what Leon Cameron had. And so um, it's really, really interesting 
it could be really interesting to see how that team lines up under a new coach. They also brought in McMullen, Gilby, Madden, and uh, that's it. That's the rest. That's who they brought in, who I don't think any of those three will feature for us. I mean, Nick Madden's big enough that he could. He's an 18-year-old. He's 203 centimetres and 110 kilos or something, just in awe of the size of the lad. He's a big lad. They do have Bruce, Flynn, Kieran Briggs, who I actually like the most out of all three of those guys. Um, So, yes, he could. Well, I suspect he probably, if he is, then something bad has happened. I I don't think so. That was just a a shout-out to Nick Madden for just being just a a, A big boy. A big boy. Um, Wade Dirksen. Do we think he gets a run? He was the the mid-season pickup last year. Um, Yeah, I I do think The forward depth isn't great. Do we see him play? I think he'll play at some stage this year, yeah. He he had a really good run last year. Uh, I can't remember what rounds it was, but he had a really good run after he was... I um, can't remember what it was, but he was pumping out some big scores in the VFL. Right, yeah. Hawthorne, speaking of interesting fantasy sides that could give us some rookies. Damo, who are you excited by in the yellow and brown, the golden brown? Fergus Green will be one that everyone will need to have a look at. He he was picked up off the back of a couple of really good VFL seasons where he kicked something like 53 goals in 16 games or something ridiculous like that. So he's going to come in and probably slot into that Jack Gunston role with a bit, little bit more mobile and a little bit less key position. So he's one at 123K. He should be 123K. Um, he'll be one that everyone will need to have a look at. And then they brought in uh, Cooper Stevens in the trade period, and he's one who probably stepped straight into their midfield. And then they drafted Cam McKenzie as well, who should play straight away. Also drafted Jack O'Sullivan and Bailey McDonald and Josh Weddle. All three are a chance to play at some point, but probably not straight away. And uh, Lloyd Meek should lead their ruck line, but I don't know if he's going to be rookie priced. I don't know if we mentioned Jack O'Sullivan, but uh, if we did, apologies, but they also bought him in. He won't feature, but I quite like, I know I've said this about a couple of players already, Damo, but Cam McKenzie, <laughs> if Harry Roston wasn't my favourite and Jai Clark wasn't my favourite from a Supercoach perspective, it's Cam McKenzie, mate. This guy, he can do it all. I think he might not be the highest scorer of this rookie class, but I'm going to put my my stake down and say he'll be the most consistent producer for us this year. And as you know, total points versus high average. I'm taking the total points, uh, especially from a rookie, because it's been a bit harder in recent years to get rid of rookies uh, without burning through your, your trade boost and whatnot. So big fan of his. Yeah, I can see him possibly averaging about 60 to 70, which is pretty good for a rookie. And it means he might be a slow burn, but he's one that, will play pretty much every game that is available, you would think, and provides a pretty solid backup, if if nothing else. Yeah, if they um, if they look to play Josh Weddle through the middle as well, I'm very intrigued um, as to how they go there. They they on draft night they talked about him as a, a Blitzarves type um, who could you know you know played key back last year, but could have a bit of a run around through the middle. And if if they do that, he's certainly one I'd have a look at. But again, I don't think that's round one. I think that's. Um, you know, a bit further through the year where they look to inject him potentially. By the way, one we missed when we talked about Gold Coast Suns, not from a super coach perspective, but Jed Anderson was picked up by the Gold Coast Suns as an SS 
Let's jump down to Melbourne. Uh, let's talk about their rookie options. Damo, did they draft anyone of relevance? They didn't really draft anyone who's going to play straight away. Um, they took Matthew Jefferson with their first pick, and he'll be developing nicely in the VFL alongside their rookie pick, Oliver Seston. They also picked up uh, Jed Adams as well, but they're all key position players who will be developing in the VFL. One player who they picked up last year, though, who we think will start is Jacob Van Royen, 123K, was absolutely lighting up the VFL to end the season. He was one who probably slid in his draft year, to be completely honest, and uh, he's probably going to come right into their team for round one, especially after the loss of Luke Jackson and them needing a bit of a tall target up forward. Yeah, and I think Fantasy Freako agrees because they tweeted out six tons for Jacob Van Rowan in the VFL in 2022, including a high score of 170 from six goals, five score assists, and 17 score involvements so certainly one for us to watch let's go to patch for north melbourne i i don't know what's going on i'm sorry uh my internet is having just an awful time of it um speaking of people that'll have an awful time of it probably north melbourne because they might not be very good again this year but they'll give some rookies some games harry sheasel and george wardlaw were top of the table for the two of them wardlaw 199k we reckon sheasel just over 200 um, both will probably play and get a decent whack of games. Um, Sheasel as a, as a small forward or a medium-sized forward might not score all that well considering North will average three inside 50s a game. Um, Wardlaw, you know, we'll have to see, but he'd probably be one that we'd be looking to start at this stage. Will Phillips is an interesting one. The former um, number two draft pick or number three? I think he was number three in the end um, at 180-odd K. Um, should get a decent run out of it. Uh, at it after missing a lot with grant glandular fever last year um so he's an interesting one to keep an eye on and dan howe who they bought in will be kind of 200 ish k assuming we get the the discounts that we'd be expecting and i i don't like the idea of picking daniel howe but we might have to um like dog thoughts feelings well and they've also signed liam shields as an ssp and Liam Shields should be the 10th player in that depth chart for the inside mid-roll, but I just have a gut feeling that Clarko's going to find a way to get Shieldsy and Howe onto the park for this North Melbourne side. I think Howe's far more likely. So if he's mm. 200k... Um, Josh Goder, I think, will also get a decent run at it. Um, I just They gave him two games at the end of last year, so that'll elevate his price a little bit. Um, two games? One game. They gave him a game or two. Um, and I think they really like him as a halfback option. So I suspect we'll see a bit of him during the year as well. And we invented a colour for, for North Melbourne on our depth chart. You know, we've got people in green for people we think are going to play, people in kind of yellow for, for you know, um, you know, people on the Pushing. outer and purples and, you know, all of this stuff that, to colour code it. And we, we have one player in it in their own special colour Damo, do you want to talk us through uh, who's got their own colour in the North Melbourne outfit for unique in the entire AFL? I didn't decide this. I don't know why I'm explaining it, but Jaden Stevens, Stevenson was given a maroony sort of pink colour because you kind of think that Clarko will just, you know, have a dislike for him and leave him out of the team on purpose. Yeah, Jaden Stevenson, rest in peace. I think... Uh, oh. 
I just get the feeling it's going to go one of two right ways, right? He's Clarko's best mate in the entire world and he loves him. But I think the more likely thing is uh, we never see Jaden Stevenson play again. Yeah, oh, I mean, who knows how it'll go, but we've just got the own special color of like, oh, who knows what will happen. Um, Hamish Free is an interesting one for whoever just highlighted him on the depth chart. Um, Damo, do you want to talk about him considering he's from WA and was in the w, the Waffle Team of the Year? Um, do you think he plays? Do you think he'll be any good as the um, the the Ruckman, mature age Ruckman from WA? Don't know if he plays, but yeah, mature age Ruckman from South Fremantle. He... He was on the radar for quite a few teams as a, an option to um, strengthen up some ruck stocks, but don't know who he pushes out because it's definitely not Goldstein or probably not Goldstein um, and then probably not Tristan Sherry either. But there is a chance that he comes in and completely d- dominates one day and it stays in the team for the long haul. Um, he's just one of your classic tap ruckmen. He um, turned a couple of AFL-listed ruckmen to mush in the waffle last season. So he's definitely got it in him to compete. And uh, as mature age, you rarely see mature ages get recruited to spend their year in the, in the VFL or the state leagues developing. So they probably have a role for him. Yeah. He's one I'm watching closely averaged about 700 hit outs a game. He's your classic, like Sam Jacobs esque, just get a shitload of hit outs and hopefully some of them go to a, a teammate. So if Goldie goes down or or Cherry misses, I think I think he's probably the next one in ahead of a, a Callan Colin Jones. So one to watch. Yeah, Callan Dawson playing four games at the end of last year is also really annoying because that'll make him annoyingly too expensive to pick if he does get a gig. Port Adelaide, gentlemen. Another team that did stuff all at the draft because they bought in last year's uh, first number one selection. Uh, once again, undeserving number one selection, but number one selection nonetheless, Jason Horn Francis. They didn't do anything of note at the draft. Boys, lads, they just they just sort of they brought in a couple of father son cut a couple of rookies, Barkler. They brought in Francis Evans, who we discussed in the last pod as a delisted free agent. He's a rookie priced option. Kyle Marshall, Tom McCallum, Tom Scully, but to, there's nothing of rookie relevance here for us. No, they brought in a lot of developing tools, and the thing about developing tools is that they're developing and will take time to do that. So I'm not sure we'll see any of them this year. Maybe if they bring someone in during the SSP or SPP, um, maybe we see one of them, or maybe we see a Josh Sin. But outside of that, I'm not really holding my breath on the power to bring us the goods, unless maybe Bryn Teekle somehow forces his way into that side with, with Lysette still there. The only guy who might be relevant at some point is Tom McCallum. He he's sort of your classic interceptor, rebounder, tall defender. He has he will be um, compared to Tom Stewart and Luke Ryan and players like that. So he's one that if he comes in, um, he's one to keep an eye on. Probably depends how their season's going. They've got a pretty old back line with Jonas and McKenzie and whatnot. So if it starts going badly. Oh, suddenly those uh, those guys might not not be playing in pretty much copy-paste that review for Richmond because uh, we know they did their work in the trade period in terms of draftees. They brought in Seth Campbell in the rookie draft, Steely Green, Caleb Smith and Tyler Young, and none of those guys are going to play this year. And if they do, they won't play long enough for it to matter. 
I'd love to see Steely Green and Dusty Martin line up together. Steely and Dusty is just stuff of dreams, really. Well, Steely Green actually had pretty good junior numbers. Uh, it's just, and, yeah. and Steely Green is ready. Steely Green is ready to go. So if he does get an opportunity, and I don't know who he pushes out, maybe, maybe they, maybe Marlon Pickett gets pushed out, maybe Camden McIntosh gets pushed out, maybe, maybe they leave someone like a, I don't know, Daniel Rioli gets pushed out. I, I don't know, but Steely Green is ready to go, and it wouldn't surprise me if he. If he's shoehorned into that twenty-two somehow, let's wait and see. Pacharu, Saint Kilda, they went to the draft. They had to go to the draft. What did they come away with? Uh, they came away with Matthias Filippou, the youngest and most confident player in this year's draft. Um, we think he'll start as a forward, but you know, there's there's scope for him to become anywhere from a you know a like a Dugowie or, or Zerha or Stringer kind of player to, you know, talk of him being like a Bontempelli. Um, and I really wish Essendon had, had gone for Philippou. Um, you know, Sardis will be good, but I think Philippou's got that X factor, which probably won't net as many points as a super coach um, selection next season. But gosh, it'll be fun to watch um, and nice for some long suffering Saints fans to uh, feel a, a pleasurable emotion for the first time in years and years. Um, Ollie Hotton as a small forward player. Uh, kind of, you know, high half forward midi kind of player. Maybe we get to, to see some action on him and um, Jack Vitell, another option. Um, and, you know, he'll probably be 180K from our back of the envelope kind of calculations. So maybe he's a chance as well. But um, they've got a pretty settled side, so I don't think there'll be too much change unless we see... Um, you know, somebody stepping up to fill the Max King void if they go kind of small there and, and Philippou and Hotton play forward or if we get like a, you know, your man Matthew Allison or, or Cooper Sharman <laughs> cheap enough to to fill that spot. I, I really don't know how they fill that yeah. void, but um, I don't think there's too much outside of Philippou at this stage. Yeah. No, I'm not convinced Matthew Allison's a real person if I'm being honest with you, mate, so... I wouldn't be looking at him. The Max King hole is an interesting one. It's, is it Cooper Sharman? Isaac Keelor surely not ready. So no, no, it has to be not. probably a smaller lineup, I'd say. So, yeah, or, yeah very interesting. Very, very interesting. Do they play Rowan Marshall forward and put Tom Campbell in the ruck? Oh, my God. Well, it's Ross the boss, so anything's possible. Maybe they just swing Josh Battle forward and play Zane Cordy because we know that Ross is going to love oh, Zane Cordy. He will adore him. Absolutely adore him. And with no evidence whatsoever, like Jaden Stevenson, there is also a chance that Ross hates Josh Battle. Yeah, I get that feeling as well, David. I've been talking about Josh Battle to a couple of people um, over the last few days, and I just get the feeling Ross is going to hate him, and I have no reason to think it. The one thing that with the Max King hole is we could see James Van S come into the team. He's He was drafted as a key defender, but he can play forward and... At his size, he's already got a man's body. He just needs to develop and build on his game. He could be one that plays forward and becomes that main target um, alongside Tim Membry and Jack Hayes. They're an interesting team, and we'll see what Ross, the boss, does with them. Uh, The Sydney Swans, they were in the grand final last year. There's not going to be too many changes to their team. The closest is probably Jacob Constanti at 127-ish K. 
he's a he's going to play a small forward role. He's not going to score super coach points. Uh, they brought in Will Edwards, uh, Jaden McGore, Caleb Mitchell, Cam Owen, and Cooper Vicker as well. But I w- I know we talk about horse when he finds a player he likes bringing them in, but I think it's more likely that some of the guys they picked up last year come into this side. Yeah, Hugo Hall-Kahan, um, he had a really good end to the VFL season, so he's going to be one to really keep an eye on. And you think Sydney will stay largely the same from the team that entered the grand final, but obviously it didn't quite work for them um, given the result. So I think there will be some changes. It's just a matter of where those changes are. Ryan Clark was in the team as a specialist tagger. Maybe he comes out for a Costanti or a Hawker to give them a bit more of attacking power. But uh, other than that, their team is pretty settled. Yeah, that could well be just a matchup thing as well. That could be they decide, you know, we don't have somebody we want to tag because we're playing Hawthorne. We'll bring in, you know, a more attacking option to boost the percentage. Um, that could be how they decide it, which isn't great for us. I'm really intrigued by Maddie Roberts. If somebody goes down um, in that midfield, um, I think... He or Angus Shoulder could be the the next cab off the rank, but Roberts had just insane junior numbers, um, and I really want him to play well because I picked him up in a keeper league, and I quite like the cut of his jib. Um, and that's it. That's the tweet. But um, you know, there there won't be too much, I don't think, at this stage. Um, you know, in terms of changing from that lineup for the grand final. West Coast demo went to the draft. They took quite a few selections. Jordan Baker, Harry Barnett, Kobe Burgill, Tyrell, Dewar, Ruben Jinby, Elijah Hewitt, uh, Jaden Hunt came across, and Noah Long. But weirdly, I I think we only see sort of one of those guys getting into this side, and that's Ruben Jinby. So I haven't updated it on the depth chart, but there are... There is chatter that we should be looking at everyone that West Coast drafted as potential players for the beginning of the season. Um, Kobe Bergeel, Ruben Jinby, Elijah Hewitt, um, Harry Barnett, Noah, Noah Long, all those guys. If one of them or two of them or all of them have a good preseason, there is a chance that they are brought into the team at the expense of someone else who knows who. I feel like Ruben Jinby is the only one really locked in, and they've also got Campbell Chester as well, who will basically be a new recruit for them after sitting out all of last season through injury. Yep, I'll be watching Jinby closer. Chester, I think we've all got locked away in our early, very early days super coach sides. It's an odd list, West Coast. They're all six years old or 36 years old. It's such a strange makeup spot. Dom Sheed at 255k or like 250 odd k, depending on the discount, could be an interesting shout. Um, if you're looking to go mid price or if we're really short of rookies in the midfield, um, you'd think he'd get a decent crack in there. And Tom Cole missed all of last year, he was priced at 300k the start of last season, that's a 40% discount, which put him, by my very bad calculations, at like a 160K if he comes in um, maybe, maybe. Um, but no, I think the, you know, like I reckon a, a Burgeal or a Long, if they get a run and, you know, there's a decent chance they would. Um, I'm really intrigued by them. Damo's giving me the the shake of the head on Tom Cole. <laughs> I think you've miscalculated there, Patch. Isn't it 40% for missing the full season? It's 30% if they miss the full season, 20% if they miss 
uh, over half the season, 10% if they only miss a third of the season. 30% or, of 300 is... 100. So it'll be two, about 210k. Yeah, okay, no, that's a yuck price, never mind. So I'm just, I was I tried to do the math and then my brain immediately tried to remember the the quote that Homer does when he's trying to calculate the like the isosceles triangle thing, <laughs> and that's the only like couldn't think of the numbers just that quote and I still can't remember the quote either so I failed on both counts and I apologize. The Western Bulldogs they brought in Oscar Baker uh, from Melbourne in the supplementary selection period in the draft they brought in Charlie Clark. Jed Buslinger, Harvey Gallagher, um, and they've obviously signed Roy Lobb and Liam Jones. But from a Supercoach rookie's perspective, it's still Toby McLean. It was always Toby McLean. He's going to be a very popular selection, but I don't think we're going to see any rookie pass players really come into this side. Riley West has had to have surgery. They think he will be back. After the Christmas break, so he'll be in full training from January, from when they return in January. But I still feel like Charlie Clark is a chance to take his spot. Even if he does, his junior supercoach numbers aren't all that awe-inspiring and the role he'll be playing isn't amazing. But certainly one to watch because, as we know, Damo, Bevo, while he does toss the salad... He does like his uh, very weird players that he brings in, like your Anthony Scotts, who for some reason come in in our best 22 straight away. Do they have any more um, slots open? Can they sign someone else during the preseason that we can just like just slide in? Or was Oscar Baker their last little crack at the crack at the dice roll of the roll of the what do you call it? Oscar Baker completes their list. Okay, very good. Thank you. That's the depth chart. It looks like uh, we have some rookie options to look at at this stage, and I'm sure there'll be some surprises. But I am kind of excited because I don't think there's going to be heaps of rookies, which means we actually have to use our little brains, which means we have to look for some bargains elsewhere, which is exciting to me. People's strategies for next season will be interesting, especially considering the last three years the rookies have pretty much all been exhausted um, both because they've been debuted and because they've had to play. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who people select and how people structure up their teams because it looks like there's going to be a lot of value, but not potentially rookie priced value, but lots of value, but also some players in positions we didn't quite anticipate either. And I, I, it looks like all of the rookies we are going to get, at least at this very early stage, um, will be the expensive kind. So we will need to make concessions elsewhere and how we make those concessions will be very interesting. Um, so, yeah, that that's something certainly to, to keep in mind when that team picker opens, hopefully just after Christmas. Yes, let's watch this space. Uh, gentlemen, that'll do us. Tune into the website for plenty of Supercoach BBL content. That's kicking off very, very soon. Damn, it's very exciting. I'm sure there's a podcast or two still to come. Yep, there will be one coming out over the weekend with Dan Batten from the Herald Sun joining me and Azza. So uh, that will be a good one to listen to. We'll cover off all the latest news, the team squads, some strategies, and we'll also talk about some Sheffield Shield form as well to try and to try and put you in the know for some cheapies as well. Fantastic, gentlemen. Thank you for joining. Go Blues.
Go Scorchers. Go Banana.